I know our team's going to keep getting better and better, not only today and through 2012, but into 13 and 14 and beyond. And so that's a, a, a comfortable feeling as you can have as a general manager. Good morning and welcome to episode 134 of Effectively Wild, the Baseball Prospectus Daily Podcast. In New York, New York I am Ben Lindbergh. And in Long Beach, California, joining me as always is Sam Miller. Uh, and joining us for the first time ever is Craig Brown. Hello, Craig. Hey guys, how are you? Good. Where Good. Where are you joining us from? I'm joining you from Kansas City, so I'm like That's right in the middle authentic. here. Authentic. You are Yes. You're a native. I don't understand. You're a baseball writer and you're in Kansas City, but you're not currently tweeting about barbecue? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know that that was allowed. He might be. He can multiply. Well, I mean, I I already had it tonight. I mean, we're we're recording early in the morning or late at night or whatever. I've I've had my fill for the day. You know, <laughs> tune in tomorrow. We'll we'll, we'll touch on that. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we've brought Craig on uh, to talk about the Royals because he wrote the Royals chapter in Baseball Prospectus 2013. So we will ask him some questions and listen to his answers and then. Pete uh, already spoke to Sam Mellinger, the sports columnist for the KC Star, so he will be coming up after this. Uh, so the Royals, um, I guess the the biggest Royals news of, of the offseason was already dissected 10 times, and we talked about it on the podcast, and everyone talked about it and wrote about it. Uh, the trade, I guess. But what is your what was your initial reaction, and has your reaction changed at all to the the Will Myers James Shields deal? Yeah, my reaction was that I wasn't happy, as you guys can probably imagine. Um, you know, because like you know, you said and we've said, it's it was about kind of mortgaging the future for the present, and the present isn't really that bright and rosy for the team. Uh, you know, it, it would make sense if they were, you know, on the cusp of contention, if they had just kind of lost out to the Tigers last year, uh, not finished as far back as they did. And if Detroit wasn't as strong of a team as, as they're generally thought to be heading into 2013, you know, maybe the trade makes a little bit of sense because, you know, that's what contending teams do. They'll deal their prospects off for, you know, the quote unquote proven major league talent. And, you know, it just, it, but the Royals aren't there yet. Uh, it, the the move, it, it just, it felt premature. And the other thing that, that was just really kind of disheartening about the move is that Will Myers is supposed to be, you know, when he gets into the major leagues, he's supposed to be this this great hitter um, who would really, you know, slot in well uh, in, in the middle of that Royals lineup with the other young guys that they have in there. And, uh, you know, it, it just it it uh, it was disappointing that that Dayton Moore felt the need to to make the trade. And uh, but, you know, it's done. The Royals are definitely a better team for 2013. I, I don't think that it puts them into contention. But, you know, I mean, I've liked James Shields for a while. Um, he's he's durable, which is something that the Royals need uh, since they're so well acquainted with uh, Tommy John surgery. You know, hopefully he can dodge that bullet now that he's in. In Kansas City, and you know uh, Wade Davis is interesting too. To me, he's kind of the key to the whole deal. If if he can get into the rotation, and if he can, you know, be kind of like that solid number three starter in there, he, uh, for the for the contract that he has, he can kind of be you know a, an anchor in in the rotation. No, he's not going to be 
you know, an all-star or Cy Young award winner, but he can be a solid guy, hopefully in in the middle of that rotation for the next, you know, four or five years, however long he's under contract, because Shields is going to be gone after a couple of years. But, uh, you know, Davis to me is is the key in the thing, but, but the Royals, man, they, they sure gave up a bundle of talent to, to get those two guys in. So is it that Dayton Moore differs then on his assessment of where this team is on on the wind curve or wherever you or whatever you want to call it do you think that he feels that this is a competitive team and if so do you have any theories about why you and he have dissenting opinions on, on where this team is competitively <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm sure that's not the only thing that you disagree potentially yeah, with Dayton more about but <laughs> Dayton and I have had a hard time coming to an understanding. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it, there's been a lot of talk about it in Kansas City uh, amongst Royals fans. Why did he feel the need to make the trade? Well, you know, there is that little bit about the the process, and 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 we we call it the process, and we kind of mock it because you know Dayton has this way of kind of talking down to the fans at times, and and he did that uh, a couple years ago when when he was talking about how you know it was about building the farm system and then getting those guys to the big leagues and getting them used to the major leagues so they could finally win, and and how that was all the process, and. It just it, it kind of seems like last year expectations were elevated a little bit for this team. And a lot of things happened, injuries, uh, some guys regressed, um, some and some guys just really, really struggled that you know weren't supposed to struggle. And I think that Dayton is feeling a little bit of the heat. I, I think that that ownership tends to get its hands, involved in in places where it really shouldn't get its hands involved and and they've been pretty good you know for the last several years with Dayton Moore I, I think Dayton is clearly running the show but I think for the first time since he's taken the reins as the general manager he's feeling a little bit of heat from the Glass family uh, some things were happening last year that that obviously they didn't like they got off to a, a horrible start they lost 12 games in a row in April um, you know, just all sorts of things happened wrong for this team last year. And so I think that there's a little pressure on, on Dayton to, to reverse course and to do it quickly now at this point, because it has been going on seven years. That's a long time. And, uh, I, I think that, that, uh, you know, he, his contract is up at the end of the 2014 season. If he's going to get an extension, he's going to get it this year. So he's really needs to kind of put a better product out on the field to, to, you know, prove that the process is going in the right direction, which, you know, so far, as far as the wins go, it's been stagnant really the last several years. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think it, I think it's a pressure situation for him at this point. Um, so Hosmer and uh, Moustakis have both had some good stretches and some bad stretches and, and some really kind of, bad stretches. I mean, the, the bad stretches have been really bad. And so I just wonder which of them are you kind of putting your money on for next year? Who at this point has the higher ceiling in the short term and who has the higher floor in the short term? Well, I think that Hosmer will know really quickly whether or not he's going to rebound. I, I think that in in the short term his ceiling is 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 higher. I think you know maybe even taking the 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 long term view, 
Hosmer has a is is a better hitter than Mustakas, although he didn't prove that last year. Um, so you know, God, that was just that that was painful, guys, to watch him play last year. It was just it was dreadful because we saw him in 2011 and he did so well and and he did it as a 21 year old and and so we were all you know excited because. He was so so young and so good, and and just he, he really seemed to be unfazed by the promotion to the to the big leagues after such a short time in Triple A. And then last year, the the guy just I mean he was grounded out to second base every single time he was up to bat it seemed, and and he his he was taking these pitches to the opposite field that he really should have been getting around on, and and you know so he was hitting harmless fly balls when he wasn't grounding out to second. It was just it was a depressing year. Um, if if we haven't seen Hosmer's floor in 2012, God help us all as Royals fans, because <laughs> I, I I can't imagine it getting any worse. Um, Mustakas, on the other hand, you know he got off to a good start in the first half last season. Defensively, the guy was fantastic all year long, uh, but really struggled with the bat in the second half. So I'm kind of hopeful that that he'll be able to put together a, a more solid season. Um, but you know, th- there's a there's a lot of work for him to do at the plate uh, in order for him to to reach what would be his ceiling. Although I know that a lot of the talent evaluators uh, think that Mustakis will hit for more power than Hosmer. Uh, Hosmer will have the higher on base percentage, higher uh, batting average. Uh, but and 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 both are supposed to be decent defensively. Although Hosmer struggled a little bit with the glove, um, which is kind of surprising. But I, I think that you know next next season, I, th- I think going into 2013, I, I, you know Hosmer is, is is really the the key guy uh, on the offensive side of the coin for the Royals. I mean the the kid has to bounce back if they're gonna uh, you know try to hang with the Tigers as long as they can in the Central. And is there is there an identifiable reason why uh, Johnny Giovatella is uh, has had such uh, different results in the majors as in the minors? I mean, everything about his minor league line is kind of exciting and cool looking, and he just really hasn't done anything in the majors. Is it is this just sort of a sample thing, sample size thing, or is it kind of obvious when you watch him that he doesn't really belong in the majors at this point? Uh, you know, it, it kind of feels a little bit of both to me. I, I think he, he, I think he has come up and, and part of the problem is, is he's kind of been in and out of the lineup. He, he hasn't been that consistent second base guy. Um, the Royals are slow to turn it over to him. And one reason that they're very slow in turning it over to him has nothing to do with his bat, but everything to do with his glove. He's not a very good defensive second baseman. And, and they've really tried to put the emphasis on defense uh, especially the last couple of years. So he kind of comes up and, he, and, you know, he gets off to like a slow start, starts to press a little bit, and it just kind of snowballs from there. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, he, his Omaha line, the AAA line, it, it looks great. And we, we all wonder why he can't do that in the big leagues. It, it just – the Royals don't seem to believe in him. And, and I don't know if he realizes that and is putting a little more pressure on himself to perform at the big league level to kind of show those guys that, yeah, you can do it. Uh, something just isn't clicking right there. And, and you know, I 
I would like for them to to give him that full season. I mean, last year it felt it felt right. It, the the time felt right for them to just turn it over to him and say, "Look, you're our guy. Don't worry about anything. Just get in there, play your game." You you know, for 162 games, you're our starting second baseman. And then they went out and they got Unieski Betancourt, and you know they uh, flip flopped him and Chris Getz around at second base so much. I mean, it's it's just it's one of those things that really just kind of defies logic. You, uh, one of your writers, and and I should have already mentioned that that uh, Craig is the site manager of Royals Review, uh, RoyalsReview.com, the the SB Nation Royals site. One of your writers there, uh, Jeff Zimmerman, who also writes for Fangraphs, does a lot of of good sabermetrics stuff. Did a, a very uh, basic kind of back of the envelope preliminary sort of projection for the team back in December, I think it was, and and came up with a very optimistic projection for <laughs> for the team. Uh, I, I won't mention the actual projected record; probably not precise enough to to matter. But he did uh, almost nail the the record last season or uh, before 2011, maybe. Um, and our own team projections for for the Royals are not out quite yet. Probably will be by next week, I would think. But uh, he was very optimistic, basically because of the offense. It seemed like a, a lot of people have kind of thought that that the trade has really remade the rotation, and that that's the area in which this team will distinguish itself from last year's team, or, or that's the area that it will make the the greatest strides but he seemed to feel or at least the the numbers he ran seemed to indicate that that the big step forward would be offensively and that guys like Mustakis and Hosmer and, and others whom we've talked about would be projected to be uh, to take a, a big step forward and that produced a, a pretty optimistic projection so I guess what uh what makes you pessimistic then I, what area of the team is it that you think uh, is still short of contending team territory? Oh, um, or is it more of a general uh, all, yeah, all good over question. weakness? Um, it, it, that, that, that's a that's a tough question because I, I I look at the at the lineup the projected lineup and I see somebody like Jeff Francoeur in in right field and mm-hmm. I mean we don't really need to to beat that horse any more dead than we've already beaten it mm-hmm. but you know I mean it is what it is and it, it's the the reason why the Royals didn't take any step forward last year was because our young guys regressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when when Jeff is is running his his projections, you know, you're talking about guys that are 23, 24 years old at this point that are going into their third season or you know their two and a half years in, into their uh, big league career, and so yeah, because they were so highly rated as prospects, I assume before they got into the big leagues. You know that's why he's looking for you know some really substantial improvement from from some some of the offensive players, um, like Mustakas, like Hosmer, guys that struggled with the bat last year. Because you've got a decent foundation with Alex Gordon and Billy Butler, but those are just two guys in that lineup. Yeah. It's possible to look at that lineup and kind of picture it all coming together in a in a nice way all at the same time. 
sort of. I mean, with I with I the, try. <laughs> I, I, I give myself moments of optimism. Yeah, I, I mean, with, dare to dream with the step forward that Escobar took last year offensively, and then maybe a, a healthy Lorenzo Kane and and Alex Gordon being Alex Gordon again, and Billy Butler being Billy Butler again, and and Perez possibly being healthy, and then. Mustakas and Hosmer maybe living up to their potential. If you if 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 everything goes right, which never happens, of course, but if everyone were to sort of hit their their ninety percent projection or, or percentile projection, then that could be a it could be a, a potentially good lineup. Not a lot of holes other than I guess Francoeur and and maybe Getz when he's playing. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a it's a tantalizing yeah list list of names for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, um, you know, when 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 you're naming those guys, I'm obviously I'm I'm very familiar with them, and so sometimes I wonder if I'm a little too close to the action, too close to the mm-hmm. uh, to 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 the to the guys and and their development, and and you know, am I projecting this in in some sort of crazy way where I'm like, well, yeah, these guys should all be really really good. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's nice to hear you say that um, because, because sometimes I question my own sanity. <laughs> but um, but I, I mean, I, I, I agree with with that assessment, obviously, that if everything breaks right, if these guys hit their 90th uh, percentile, it, it'll be a hell of an offense. I mean, it, it really it was a good offense two years ago. That's mm-hmm. kind of what was so strange about last year was that, you know, I think in 2011, you know, I'm going to throw out some numbers here and I, I hope that, I, that I'm accurate on them. But they were like fifth in the league in run score and they were close to the top in, in batting average. They were in the top half and on base percentage, which hadn't happened for a long time. I mean, it, it was a solid offensive team. Their pitching has let them down in the past. And last year was everything, of course. But, uh, you know, there, there's a good foundation there. And then I can bring this, you know, full circle and, and mention Will Myers. I mean, he would have fit in really, really well in that lineup mm-hmm. and, and really would have improved the offense. I think even in his first year, mm-hmm. uh, I think, you know, he would have been an upgrade over, over what the Royals are going to run out there, uh, you know, next season. So it's uh, it, it's a, it's a solid core that, that they have, but it's just, it, it's a matter. And, and, you know, uh, I mentioned it in the chapter in, in the, in the book, uh, that the Royals fired Kevin Seitz, and one of the reasons that he was let go was the struggles of Eric Hosmer. That was a, that was a huge reason for him to to be let go, and uh, you know so hopefully the Royals are going to go to the dual hitting coach approach. So uh, you know there's there's a lot of hope that with two guys in the in that role that they'll be able to, to split the duties up and and you know each reach their guys that they need to reach and. And hopefully we'll see a bounce back year from the offense. Wasn't there some hope that Seitzer would make the Royals a more patient team when he was hired? I, I've seemed to recall uh, some 10,000 word post by Ranny around then just <laughs> about how maybe that would help. I mean, the Royals, I'm sort of fascinated by teams that that have some sort of institutional philosophy or at least it it seems like they do and, and decades go by and, and they're still sort of the same in one respect. And you don't see that a lot because there's so much turnover in front offices. And yet the Royals just since the 80s, it seems, have not walked. And and you mentioned 
how they were how they did pretty well on base percentage wise a couple of years ago. But even then, it was mostly batting average driven. Uh, and and last year again, they were last I think in baseball in walk rate. Is it is it just something where if you put thirty teams together? One of them will just inevitably, by chance, have a stretch where they go decades without having a, a, a patient team, or is it like a a legacy of of one kind of GM who favors that type of impatient player giving way to another one and mentoring a new wave of of front office people who build teams that way? Because I mean, there's been some at least some lip service paid by Dayton Moore to the idea of of going for high OBP guys at various times during his tenure. Yeah, that's another one of those head scratchers, a true conundrum, if you will. Um, because, yeah, Dayton uh, a long time ago said that that I, I, th- I think somebody asked him I, point blank. They said, you know, what what stat do you look at? What What is like a key uh, indicator that, that you look for for a quality offensive performer? And he said on base percentage. Mm-hmm. And there was much rejoicing in Kansas. <laughs> right. and, uh, and and then he went out, I think, a couple of months later and got Mike Jacobs and Miguel Olivo. And, and we're all left going, you know, what what <laughs> what happened to on base percentage? And and yeah, I mean, I'm looking at at, at these at these walk rates that that the Royals have. And last year, only Alex Gordon was above 10 percent. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's it's just I don't know. I am totally at a loss. But the Royals have have. And, and you're absolutely right. It's it's been so long since I've had a patient team and, and there was hope that Kevin Seitzer would kind of get through to them about that. But, but he became all about, you know, squaring up uh, the ball and, and hitting bloopers to center field and, and going to the opposite field and sacrificing power to, to try and get base hits. And mm. it, it was, it was really kind of bizarre at the end of his tenure. It's like a pod people thing. You, you just show up there with one philosophy and then by the end of your time there, you you've bought into the, I, I the opposite it seems like yeah well i mean it's it's been going on forever i mean this this is a team we shut off fireworks when mark quinn took a base on balls back in in the 90s you know i mean it, it's just it's it's that sort of thing it's been going on forever i mean literally the team did he took a walk and fireworks went off like <laughs> he hit a home run um it, it was a beautiful moment uh, but it, it's just it's it's epidemic. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how you you know <laughs> cut that kind of cancer out of a team when it's gone on for so long. And Dayton's one of these guys. He, he also talks about the culture of winning. And uh, I, I think it's an interesting concept. I don't know if I, I totally buy into the fact that you can kind of create that. Um, I, I think it's something that that's rather organic that it comes from, you know, you be, you are a winning organization. And so things happen. But uh, I think it, it's it's just it's for some reason one of those things where you're getting guys like Jeff Francoeur on your team or or, you know, even, uh, you know, Escobar last year hardly ever walked um, a lot of his. Uh, strength and getting on base came from from the batting average. So you know that that makes everybody nervous here because you can't can he repeat that? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, uh, and, and then you've got your leadoff guys. You know, they'll want to put speed guys in at the top of the lineup, but 
you know, you've got Dyson, you've got Lorenzo Cain, who aren't really profiled as, as leadoff guys, because these guys don't take walks either. So it's it's a weird thing. And, and yeah, it's, it's something that if, if you're an outsider looking in and, and you're going back through some of the records uh, of, of the team, like on Baseball Reference, mm-hmm. and you just look at those walk numbers and, and you wonder, you know, what in the world's going on? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we won't put you through this this torture anymore. Uh, we've come to the prediction part of the podcast, uh, which we insert at the end of each one. So, where do you see this team finishing this season, uh, and and what's your your win total? My win total right now, at this moment, is going to be seventy eight. Um, not quite 500. I don't think that, uh, that they're built for, you know, any kind of serious contention. I'm, I'm not as optimistic as, as Jeff Zimmerman about the rebound of the offense. Just mm-hmm. put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, they will be better. Uh, but it feels like they've improved by about five, six wins, maybe this, this off season. Uh, and so I think that in the central, the central has always been a really tough, uh, division for me to handicap. You'll, I mean, aside from the Tigers' ascendance the, the last couple of years, it's always kind of felt like it's anyone's uh, division to win except for the Royals. And so I think that, that's, you know, 78 wins will, will get them, you know, probably a third-place finish again, uh, you know, maybe behind Chicago uh, for, the, for the second year in a row. So I, I think in the, in the Central I'd probably go Detroit, Chicago, Kansas City. Uh, Cleveland could, could, could be that surprise team though, sneak in there and, mm-hmm. and, you know, make a little bit of noise, but it, it's Detroit's division to lose at this point. And does Moore survive another third place finish? Do you think? Uh, that is the million dollar question. I think that he does. Mm-hmm. I think that, uh, they will look at some improved numbers, um, and be able to point to that improved win total. And, and uh, you know, if, if they're flirting around 500, I think he gets an extension at some point during the season, probably after the all-star break, but before September, sometime around there, I think he'll get, he'll get a couple of years tacked onto his deal. All right. Well, we hope that you are not up all night tossing and turning, thinking about the Royals walk rates now that we've brought it up so close <laughs> to your bedtime. Uh, thanks for, for joining us, Craig. And, uh, and after the intro, uh, we will hear from Sam Mellinger, the sports columnist for the Kansas city star. Thanks for having me on guys. It may still be winter, but baseball prospectus is ready to play ball. Pete Barrett is taking you around the league with 30 insiders who cover major league baseball. Step into the box. The squeeze is on. And welcome to the squeeze. I'm Pete Barrett, and joining me today on the telephone is Sam Mellinger, who covers the Royals uh, for the Kansas City Star. He's a sports columnist. Sam, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. We're done with the Super Bowl. Football's over. Now we turn all of our attention to baseball. You excited? Yeah, very much so. Always get excited about baseball this time of year. Looking ahead, I know it's very hard to project, but in terms of trending up or down, where do you think the Royals fit in the AL Central? It better be up. You know, um, that that was, um, you know, not quite the most disappointing season that the Royals have had recently, only because they've had a lot of them. But 
um, you know, I was among most people. I, I think that I was with the consensus on this last year of expecting a lot more from the Royals. And <clears throat> I don't even know necessarily that I'm basing that just on, on the losses, you know, cracking the, that 90 loss again. Um, but just they had a lot of underperformances and, you know, nothing more important or, or glaring than Eric Hosmer that, you know, ended up getting Kevin Seitzer fired, basically, um, is the hitting coach. So, you know, they, they, they had a lot of disappointment last year, but, um, you know, both with that big trade and, and some other things that are going on, I think that there is, you know, sort of, I guess they call it a cautious optimism about the Royals and, and what they can do this year. Before we get into the good stuff, let's linger on Eric Hosmer for just a second. Discouraging second yeah. season, as you said, hitting just three, uh, uh, two thirty-two. Excuse me. Uh, was that just sophomore struggles, or do, do you see the, do you see him turning this around? I I think that it's more than sophomore struggles. Um, I do think that he'll he'll still be a good player. Uh, my expectations on him are lowered. You know, long term. Uh, and short term, I mean, I, I just thought I had bought in on this guy, you know, 100%. I, you know, both feet in the pool. You know, I was, I was on the Air Cosmo train. I just, I, I didn't see anything either, you know, swing, uh, personality, anything that I heard from from anyone who knows this guy that made me think that he was going to be anything less than a star. And um, you know, when he came up and hit really well two years ago, um, you know, as a rookie after hitting 439, I think it was, uh, in Omaha and kind of forcing the, the Royals to call him up. I just thought, that, you know, this guy is the kind of hitter that the Royals haven't had since, you know, Mike Sweeney or Carlos Beltran or even George Brett. I, mean, I just thought, you know, perennial all-star kind of guy. And he was terrible last year. I mean, it was just miserable watching him. I mean, it was uh, ground ball to second base after – ground ball to second base after pop-up to the shallow outfield. Um, he was just terrible. And, uh, you know, in the beginning it was it was all, you know, hey, it's still early. You know, uh, he'll get out of this. He's too good of a hitter not to. Um, but it was late in the season, and people were still saying it's still early, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it got into his head. I don't think there's any question about that. He started pressing. Um, I don't know that he's really ever dealt with failure before. Um, you know, there was the one year that he had, you know, like an eye issue and, and I think he broke a thumb or something and he kind of struggled in the minor leagues. But, um, you know, I, I don't think he had ever dealt with anything on this scale before. And I think it freaked him out. I really do. And, um, that's a red flag to me, you know, when, when you're a big league player, um, especially a big league pitcher or a big league hitter, you know, you're going to deal with failure. You're going to deal with slumps. And, um, you know, he reacted, he handled that about his, his, badly as possible and you know i think that um he'll have a fresh outlook this year and i think things will be better for him but you know as soon as he starts a you know one for 12 or whatever i think there's going to be a lot of people wondering how he reacts we're talking royals baseball with sam mellinger on the effectively wild podcast you can follow sam on twitter at m-e-l-l-i-n-g-e-r and while there was hosmer who disappointed there were some other young players who did fairly well, especially Alcides Escobar, get, uh, one of his best seasons of his career so far. Mike Moustakis, 20 home runs in his first full season. He's a guy who hit 36 home runs between AA and AAA in 2010. Where do you see his ceiling in terms of uh, home run count in the big leagues? I like Moose a lot, um, and I think that he can be a guy, you, you just asked specifically about home runs. I mean, I, I think he can be 
a 30, maybe 35 home run guy. I mean, I, he, he's, he's a guy that's going to uh, swing a lot. Uh, he's going to swing hard, you know, um, and he's going to hit some balls 430 feet, and then he's going to strike out a lot too. And yeah, I think they're okay with that. I, I think it fits his personality. Unlike Hosmer, uh, Mike Moustakis is a guy that has proven that he can deal with failure pretty well. I mean, he's just, he's got the personality, he's got the outlook um, that, that you would want in every player. I mean, I, I mean that literally. If you have 25 guys, I don't mean I got 25 guys, a roster full of Mike Moustakis, but if they all have the outlook of him, if, if they, you know what I mean, if they just dealt with baseball and thought about baseball in the ways that Mike Moustakis thinks about baseball, um, you, that'd be a pretty good start. You know, because it's just, um, he loves coming to the ballpark every day. Um, he's not going to worry about, you know, his last at bat because he's got another one coming. I mean, just, he has absolutely the attitude that you want. So, you know, he, he is a guy that can go two for 13 with five strikeouts, and, and then you're not going to be surprised if he hits home run in his next at bat. So, you know, I, I, he will be a good player for them. I'm, I'm fairly optimistic on him. For this podcast, we're talking to the BP author who wrote the chapter for the annual and then a columnist or writer. And as the lead sports columnist for the KC Star, you're in some of the best clubhouses and locker rooms of all of sports. And you talked, you talked about Hosmer's attitude, Moustakis' attitude. How about the Royals as a whole? What, what is it like to be around this team? Uh, they have a great clubhouse. Um, they really do. It, it's one of the best that I've been in, not that I've been covering baseball for forever by any stretch, but, um, you know, they made a, a huge transformation uh, a few years ago, and um, it's it's not completely fair to put it on one guy, but it's not completely unfair either. And if you look at when Jose Guillen was on the team and and then when Jose Guillen was no longer on the team, it was just it was a huge difference in, um, you know, how those guys came to work how they looked at baseball, how they looked at the Royals. Uh, you know, tension was gone um, for the most part, and it's just it's a really easy, um, you know, sort of nobody takes themselves real seriously. And part of that is they don't have anybody that's accomplished anything. You know, I mean, let's be honest. They don't, they don't have anybody that's, that's really earned an ego. Um, I don't know. I don't know anything about James Shields other than what I've heard, and what I've heard is that he's, a uh, pretty good guy uh, to have around a team, but you know he's going to walk in as sort of you know the the most accomplished player, right? I mean the guy that's 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 done the most in the big league. So I mean the the dynamic will change. You know I think that, that he'll be the guy that the players look to a little bit. But it's it's a group that um, gets along really really well. They they enjoy playing with each other. Uh, they have a lot of fun together, um, you know, and all, all that being said, I think all that stuff is wildly overrated when we talk about the bosses, but it does make, you know, it does make my job easier and it makes, you know, I, I think it is something that fans can see and notice and, and appreciate. You talked about James Shields, um, Royals acquired him, of course, and Wade Davis from Tampa Bay for Will Myers and others. What'd you make of the trade? I hated it at first. Um, I hate it less now. Um, after thinking about it a little bit more and, and talking with some people, um, you know, I, I, I just think they gave up too much. You know, I, I, um, just on what they gave up and what they got, I, I just don't think they got value. And, and I say that knowing that, that most people, you know, sort of in the industry that decide on these trades, they seem split on it. So maybe that means that the Royals did get value, you know. But uh, I, I just think that, you know, 
6.9, you know, all but seven years of Will Myers, um, you know, plus a high ceiling guy like Mike Montgomery that, you know, there still might be something in that guy. Jake Odorizzi probably doesn't have a real big ceiling, but he can be a good pitcher for a long time. Uh, I, I just think that should be more worth more than, you know, two years of James Shields, um, you know, and, and then Wade Davis. I just, uh, all that said, I do respect it. And I completely understand and can get along with the motivations behind it. Um, you know, that part of it I get. That part is, is easy for me to understand. And it, it makes them a lot better this year. And, you know, I think part of it, too, is that just knowing sort of how the Royals think um, and, and how they look at things. I think they are hoping that being a better team in 2013 will make Eric Hosmer, Sal Perez, Mike Bustakis, you know, all these guys that we've been talking about, better players, that, that they'll, they'll experience winning um, or, or at least, you know, maybe in a slightly different way, uh, stop experiencing losing the way that they have. And, and maybe that changes who they become. Maybe that helps them along the road. And, you know, maybe it's something that they're benefiting from, you know, in, in some, excuse me, uh, maybe that's something that they're benefiting from in some sort of indirect way, even, you know, in 2015 when James Shield is gone. Sam, will be continuing to follow your coverage for the KC Star, and we'll see if the Royals can get over 500 for the first time in 10 years. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me.